This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. This is indeed Real Presence Live. I'm Father Richard Kunz, along with Cindy Jennings, coming to you from the beautiful Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, on uh, St. James Campus of Stella Mars Academy. And uh, that was a great call-in segment. It we was. only had one call, though. Yes, one call. But, but it was a good you call. Know, we, it was a good flow. Lots and, of great questions. Yeah. You know, we didn't have to... Uh, I had a lot to talk about. I'm kind of upset. You did? I did. Well, you can talk after we're <laughs> off the air. Anyhow, so we, we our next guest is here and in studio. So Stephanie Meyer, welcome Stephanie to Real Presence Live. Thanks for having me. Uh, how are you doing? Do you, I'm doing do, okay. Do you mean that? Thanks for having me? <laughs> no. Oh, why, well, what did you say it for? Come on, we're on Catholic radio. You have to be honest about what's going on. All right. so, so Stephanie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So like you mentioned, my name is Stephanie Meyer and I have been a parishioner at St. James Church here in Duluth um, my whole life, and I teach at so Stella Mars. 65 years? Well, I tell the students I'm 105, oh, okay, so okay. I don't know. Somewhere between, you know, you and Cindy probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've been a parishioner at St. James my whole life, and I teach at Stella Mars Academy, and well, I don't know. I used and to teach middle school for six years, and then I moved to second grade. Um, a little over 12 years ago. And you have a family. I do. I have my, my husband, Jeremy, and I have two children that also attend Stella Maris Academy, a fifth grader and a seventh grader. And so you so you teach, uh, I mean, the, the reason why I asked you to come on the air is because of a particular grade you teach. So what grade do you teach? Second grade. And for how long you've been on that for? This is my 13th year doing second grade. That's cool. So it's like, you know, from my standpoint, I've been in schools for a long time as priest and Second graders are my favorite because it seems like they, they're kind of getting it, and yet they're still kind of cute, you know. And so it's like next year they're not cute anymore, or they're maybe a little <laughs> bit. But uh, 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 but that's the whole point of why this year is so important for them because of their sacramental prep. And so the church specifically, you know, wants um, when kids get to the point of reason to um, uh, receive the Eucharist. And so your role as a second grade teacher in a Catholic school, sacramental prep is a huge part of that, isn't it? Yes, you want to speak it a little is. bit to that? Um, well, we start with reconciliation in the fall, and um, yeah, and then you. So, how do you prep them, though? I mean, what's their prep? Oh, uh, well, a lot of it's discussion. So, we start, we have like a book that we use, but a lot of it's discussion because their questions will kind of guide where they're at. Um, so, we let their questions kind of guide a little bit of where we're going. So a lot of difference between like right and wrong and why it's, oh, why we confess our sins Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, God knew that we would sin. So it's okay when we sin. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't make us a bad person. It makes us human Mm -hmm. and that we can learn from our mistakes. Um, So so let me ask you this, because there's always a little bit of a wrench that's kind of thrown into the system. We're a Catholic school, but sometimes we have kids that aren't Catholic. And so how does, how does that, um, uh, when you're doing like these, these sacramental preps of, confession and eucharist what's the what's the dynamic when you have kids that aren't catholic experiencing what the kids that are catholic are in the teaching but not in the actual practice so that actually can be complicated Mm -hmm. um and it's a little bit different each year based on which students you have and how they're reacting we do spend time talking about how we are all um, christian so we all believe in christ and so that they know that they we do have similarities um, remind me what's the question? Well, it's like, what's the dynamic? I mean, you have kids that are, 
that must really struggle with that. Well, they right? struggle well, usually because they believe yeah. what we're talking about in the classroom. So they struggle with why they're unable to go to um, confession or unable to receive Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. So that's the the biggest challenge. And then that each family deals with that a little bit differently. In the classroom, we just really talk about, um, you know, this is what we believe as Catholics and you can go home and talk to your parents, and they can answer questions on the, the, the differences in your own faith. Mm-hmm. Do parents get upset that um, it's different? Do, they, do you ever have parents come to you upset about that? Um, occasionally, but usually parents know if they're sending their, their child here that, um, that they're going to be hearing the, the Catholic component of it, because it is a Catholic school. Although once, and this was not in second grade, this was in middle school, I did have somebody say, I just didn't realize the... The church would be, or the school would be so Catholic-y, <laughs> um, which we got a chuckle out of because it was a Catholic school. That was years, that was like 20 years ago almost, so that was quite a while ago, but. Well, and maybe both of you could tell me, so can they not, I don't remember because I'm Catholic, but can they go to confession if you're not Catholic? Can they take they, part in any of the process? Or So they cannot receive the sacrament, but they do have the opportunity to talk to the priest when we go to confession and they just we just ask that when they enter that they let the priest know that they are not catholic and then each priest kind of handles that differently sometimes they'll get a blessing um like just a simple blessing and sometimes the priest will still talk to them and ask them a couple questions and one time i did have like some they know the process of like reconciliation so i did have one student non-catholic student when you go he he didn't put his hand out you know, for the, the prayer of absolution, and she was really upset. Yeah, she just had a hard time because she was involved in all of the preparation, but uh, as a non-Catholic. She, was, she thought she was going to confession. She really wanted to. Right. She uh, really wanted to have that peace, so sometimes it is hard for them to, to understand, especially if they're only seven or eight years old. But, you know, on the flip side, if you, you know, like Cindy was asking questions about, you know, have parents gotten upset? You know, certainly you've seen parents that have come around to the faith because of their kids. Right? Yes. I mean, even this year. Yes. This year, I mean, we have, uh, they're, they're a Catholic family. They weren't really practicing. They weren't bringing up their kids Catholic. But because one of their kids are in your class and the whole idea of the sacramental prep, they reached out to get their kids baptized. Yep. So it does bring people back to yeah. to where they should be. So and Well, that, and what you were talking about with the kids being like you like that age. I think it's because it makes you think when God's like childlike faith, I think that is like the perfect age for that because they're learning this stuff and they take it so serious, right? Confession's right. like super serious. My kids loved going. Now they're like, you know, <laughs> it's like different attitude as they get older. Um, but it's so fresh and new that they just love it. And my sister, I, all my kids actually went through you. And I always thought, how lucky of you to be able to, you know, have this every single year. Like, that's just such a beautiful thing. But I remember the story my sister had to take Jacob, my oldest, to confession. And Father Jim's like, yeah, you don't need to say your name, blah, 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 whatever. Well, Rachel's like, it was cracking up because Jacob went in and she could hear the whole confession because he was so loud. And he was like, it's me, Jacob Oliver Jennings. (laughs) And so she just thought it was so funny and heard him confess something with the garage door. But... What a beautiful age. I mean, it's such an opportunity to make such a difference. And I just love you so much. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, one quick story, even this year we were getting ready for First Communion prep. And we were reviewing and we were talking about how it's not a symbol. It's 
the real, it really is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And one boy, he just stopped and he's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like you could, his mind was completely blown. Yeah. And I, I don't know where he was prior to that conversation on the other days, but um, it was pretty cool to see just the reaction and to have him kind of try to process that. So you, you have to have a ton of funny, funny stories over the years. I mean, the, the sure kids, they, they say the craziest yeah. thing. But by second grade, I mean, they're still saying crazy things, but not as crazy as, like, first graders, you know what I mean, or kindergartners. I can really tell a lot of stories just from my own experience. But uh, but the beauty of it, how your your second grade year is about faith formation. And even, like, when Bishop Felton was coming into the classroom, it's like, well, you guys, you got the most important year, you know, second graders, you know, because of all the things that you guys do for the first time this year. and. And so uh, the importance of, from my perspective as a Catholic priest in, with a Catholic school, the rubber hits the road in second grade. You know, I mean, everything's important, but what happens in second grade is what is of most importance. And you've been doing it for a long time. And, and in my experience and observing your work, it's like you've been doing it great. These kids are well prepared and they're well ready for the sacraments that they are about to receive. That gives me some pressure for the next few weeks here too. We're coming in on the next. Well, we are, we are we are in the season. So yes. I mean, before we you know go to our first break, what's you know how is it going this year? I mean, how many kids do we have at Stella Mars in your classroom? I believe we have eight receiving okay. the sacrament this year, um, and it's going pretty well right now. They're learning, they're practicing how to receive because they need to <clears throat> practice that in order to do it correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes they need reminders even after they're through eighth grade. I know one weekend you asked me to uh, help with Eucharistic minister at Mass. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you need to say amen. Say it louder. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> During COVID, though, I'd go, I would just mouth it. Because really? I didn't want to spit on them. Oh. <laughs> but at least you moved your mouth. <laughs> I know. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. so have you noticed any differences between, like, kids over the years like has things gotten tougher are we getting less i mean what what's the class size look like is eight the normal count for that every year it's so different so it's hard i don't know that there is a normal we have classes that are you know we have years where we have a lot of students and then we have years where we have a smaller number so it's hard to say there's not like a normal set it goes back and forth back. Yep. that's probably yeah I'm, yeah i'm sure that's true because then but eight is a smaller number in general okay we're also in a parish that has other parishes close by, and so mm -hmm. they're not necessarily, you'll have years where they're not necessarily going to First Communion here, Correct. And, but they're still going through the prep here. Yep. And there's no doubt mm -hmm. that the preparation that we can give kids in the Catholic school is far superior to the prep that we can give kids that are just in our religious ed program. There's a whole bunch of reasons for that, but the most basic reason is that we've got them for more time. You know, and They learn a lot more. We have them for more time, and then there's just opportunities throughout the week that you just embrace it as well you know like we might leave mass and we'd be like hey do you remember we were just talking about that last week and did you see when father did this or when we said that so there's just you can just make more connections yeah. it's not just the scheduled religion time but it's connections throughout the week too now we're talking uh, with stephanie meyer from the diocese of duluth here at stella Maris academy in sacramental prep in second grade here at our school and we'll continue this conversation immediately after this very brief break so stick with us please Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
This is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision specializes in pediatric eye care and vision therapy. We partner with a national infant eye exam program called Infant C, which provides eye exams for any baby under 12 months old. Many of the major childhood eye problems, such as lazy eyes, eye turns, and ocular diseases, can be detected in this early intervention exam. Infant C eye exams can be scheduled online at www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud supporter of babies everywhere and a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back and thank you for listening. My name is Father Richard Kunzlong here with Cindy Jennings coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth. We're talking to Stephanie Meyer in regards to sacramental prep over all the years that she's been in sacramental prep and all the experiences she has. And Cindy's got a very compelling question right now. Well, let's go back to mom's group. So I'm part of mom's group, but I've heard that you used to babysit mom's group. So how long ago was that? What does that have to do with sacramental prep? Well, how did she get involved in wanting to be a teacher? See, these questions are not approved (laughs) by me, so I don't know what's going to come out of Cindy's mouth. Oh, come on. Go ahead, Stephanie. It's always good. So I did when I was in college. I did daycare for the moms group, and we used to like have the nursery. It was here done in the school, and the cafeteria was right across from the nursery. So we did crafts and snacks, and that's where it all starts. It's a Catholic moms group, so we did like you know religion-based um, crafts and. And does it is, really does it amaze that. you that those kids are now in their mid thirties? Well, it's kind of fun to see them because I do see them at mass. Are they really in their mid thirties? I was kind of joking. No, they well, they're they're in their thirties or close oh, wow. to it. Okay. So yeah, that's kind of a sensitive subject, Sorry. maybe. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and so you decided that you kind of did anything come of that? Like just teaching those younger children? Is that kind of? Or you already knew you were going to be a teacher by then because you were in college. So here's here's a crazy thing. So when I 
was younger, I, of course, wanted to do, like, when people ask you what are you going to be and you grow up, I was like, oh, I'll do something that makes good money, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll be, like, a chiropractor or a dentist or... Um, and here you are. Well, then, when I was a senior in high school, I'm like, well, really, I just want to do those things because I want the paycheck, not necessarily because I, I do not want to clean people's mouth, okay? <laughs> um so then I thought I'd kind of always, when I was little, I'd play teacher, you know, we'd get, bring home the old textbooks from school and all that. Like there's a lot of people who ended up being teachers started playing teacher, but, um, then I decided that I wanted to teach. So I actually taught, um, religious education, I think my senior year of high school. And then, um, I said at the time that I wanted to come back to St. James. I was a student here myself. So I wanted to come back to St. James and be a teacher and I wanted to teach fourth grade. And funny story, my mom actually taught religious education fourth grade, and we would, you know, at that time there was um, fourth grade religious ed was taught in the fourth grade classroom. So the fourth grade teacher at the time was working late, and my mom came in, and she's getting ready for religious ed, and she's like, well, you know, my daughter's going to come here and and teach fourth grade. And I wasn't even in college yet, I don't think, at this time. (laughs) person who I work with now, actually, she's still a teacher here. She was worried at the time. She's like, what? There's someone who out there who wants my job? <laughs> so we just kind of laugh about it because my mom, she was like, yep, she's going to come here and teach fourth grade. But nope, I um, came when I was doing mom's group in the daycare. I was already going to school to be a teacher. And I had always kind of thought that I would come back here to, to St. James. And that's where where I am now. So what have you gotten out of it? I mean, what, what is there like a, has this enriched your faith in any way, in a particular way? It does. It, f- it just feels like home to me. So I, d- I can't really imagine being anywhere else or doing anything but else. How about like, like, the, the, but the, like the sacramental prep part of it. I mean, is, is there some way that that has like affected your, your faith journey? Well, I've, in the time that I've been teaching it, I feel like every year I learn more. You know, you dive more into the to the history of, of how we're doing things or why we're doing things. Um, so I learn. I learn from the students. They ask questions, and sometimes they don't know the answer. So I go to Father or, you know, try to look it up. Um, so just watching the students seek out the information helps keep me connected and keep my faith strong just because they're so excited about it. The other thing that I'd say is important, and, and you know, every teacher in every school is in a different c- circumstance, but I like the fact that this is your home parish, and you do um, uh, have an active role in the community, so it's super good for the young kids that, to see their teacher here on Sunday and Saturday night. You know, I think that, that speaks volumes because it says, okay, this is just not something that uh, you know, Ms. Meyer talks about at school, but she actually lives it by going to, to Mass on the weekends. And, and, you know, some other parts, you know, some of our other teachers are in other parts of the city and they go to some other church. But the idea of being um, entrenched in the positive sense of the word in the community, the faith community that you belong to and you teach in as a very visible uh, thing for the kids is important and good. Yep. <laughs> That's it? That's all I, you got to I, say? I don't know. Yeah, it's fun to see them there. I mean, when I come to Mass, I usually come on Saturday evening, and there's a handful of second graders that are there consistently, and they always, some are not sure what to do, so they like, they don't look at me, or even some that have moved on to third grade, they'll be like, wait, do I wave or do I not wave? You're not really my teacher, but I know you. Um, and then some will be like, right as, as soon as Mass is done, they'll be like, hey, Mrs. Meyer, guess what? So yeah. it's kind of fun. And yeah. you've started lecturing even. I have. See? Is Jackson going to be serving? He is soon, he or is he is. is he trained in? Yep. Okay. Yep. 
He served last weekend, actually. Or no, two weekends ago. Oh, yep. I wasn't here two weekends ago. Yep. So, but yes, I think that we've got some new ones coming in, right? It's, we do. Samuel, my we kid's do. supposed to yes. be. Yes. Yeah. It's always yeah. a challenge when you're a priest to have young servers. We try and pair them up with older servers to make it sure know, that it but works. It's been a while. COVID screwed everything no, up, right? That's true. That's and then, true. So for COVID, are we back on to regular um, serving communion for the little kids for second grade? Because I know when we you went through. first communion? Yeah, first communion. Because yeah. mine had to be like three at a time. Like that was they kind the, of separated, was but the, I'm assuming that was the first year. So the first year of COVID was really challenging uh, so we as we were talking about uh, uh, Stephanie here and I talked about how we're going to do this and so first communion was basically throughout the summertime because school was canceled yeah it was June know. I think when we uh, yeah and, and so, it was June. it wasn't just COVID that was the challenge the church was under construction at the time too right. so it was you yes. know the church under construction and two usually it was just two students but we could have two or three at a time and yeah and it's because we didn't know right I mean there was a, a level of fear and uncertainty uncertainty in regards to the um, uh, pandemic and so we try to keep it as small as possible uh, to keep that social distancing and so it lasted that must have been a big year because it seemed like it lasted all summer long it's like every two or three days we had first communion and it's just it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and but it was good it was a good experience that those kids are not going to forget and I'd like to forget it because it was such a challenging way of doing it. And then last year we even did a little bit differently. Maybe speak a little bit to how we did it last year. So last year we had a separate mass and we didn't really announce the mass to other people because we wanted the, the families of students receiving First Communion to be able to attend and to be able to have their grandmas and their grandparents, you know, their grandmas, grandmas, aunts and uncles. So we just did a separate mass. Um, but then we still spaced out all of the, the pews so that there was a a pew of separation between each family. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't as strict as the first year, uh, but this year now is the first time we're going back. We're yep. going back to the way it was. And so that'll be, which that means is that it's one of the more chaotic masses of the year. First communion is a chaotic mass, mm-hmm. but uh, it's I also, it, it's, so yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great blessing. See, I wouldn't use the word chaotic. It's full mm-hmm. and it's, <clears throat> there's a lot of energy and a lot of excitement, but not none. Not in a bad way. You know, no, it's a no, good right, way. right. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm one of these guys where it's like I like to have control of my liturgy type of thing. And, and when I come into First Communion, it's like I have no control over what's going on right now. And so that's why I use the term chaotic, but in a positive light. Yeah, you put those kids in dress clothes and they act like angels. Is that true? I don't know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, Cindy, you have like four boys. So. <laughs> I know. It Does always it felt happen? like they put the tie on. It almost like choked them to remind them to be good, you know, because they're all boys. And yeah, I, yeah, they did. They, I think they really, when I would look, they'd really be deep in thought too, because they take maybe it they just didn't want to mess it up, but well, also. they hopefully take it seriously. And they take it seriously. Yeah. Am I going to remember everything? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just a great. One of the things we did talk about recently is if you. Because their question is, okay, you practice how to receive it. And they're like, well, what do you do if you drop it? And I was like, you still eat it because it's the body of Christ. And they're like, okay. <laughs> it's better than the 10-second rule. Yeah. You tell them it's like, it's, well, it's the, pure. There was, there was a, a long time ago before Father Rich was here, there was, I was Eucharistic minister at a school mass. And under the, you know, like behind the altar on the floor, I saw, you don't know if it's consecrated or not, but I pointed to the priest and it's, you know, it's kind of dusty under there at the time. And so I share that story with the second graders. I'm like, well, you still have to eat mm-hmm. it. And, That's you know, right. this is what this priest had to do when it was, you just do it. If how it falls on the floor, have, it's okay. How many people have dropped it? Has there been kind of one here and uh, there? 
for first communion. Yeah, for first communion. Like, has there first communion? Okay, they'd be they'd be horrified at first communion if they did that. But uh, mm-hmm. um, it does happen, obviously. So. Um, one of the things that we need to, and this is not so much you, well, maybe you a little bit too, but even the older grades, it's like after they've had all the training about how to receive, they don't really, they're not really good at staying with that. So it's like yes. a lot of the times kids will grab at the host, you know, and it's like they'll, like they're, they'll put their hand the right way, but then as soon as you put the host on their hand, they quick and grab it. So it's like there just has to be a continual training of oh, these wait. kids, a re-educating of these Am kids. Am I doing this wrong? Are you doing it wrong? I might be no, doing I'm, it wrong. I'm talking about little I d- kids. I know, but I do go quick. No, it's Somebody's about grab. You don't you don't grab it. You receive it. So the Eucharist is not oh. to be taken; it's to be received. Okay. And so that's the whole point with the kids. Like you don't you receive it. You don't take it. You know. And so gotcha. it's just a, it's just a, um, a a constant reminder that even adults need, yeah. but especially young kids need because you know they get trained in second grade and it gets pretty sloppy after that if they're not very intentional. If the teacher's not really kind of reminding them, they're kids. You know. So if somebody drops it, can you come along and take it and eat it? If they refuse to eat it, would that be the... Well, I mean, it'd be the Eucharistic minister or the priest that would do it. And so, okay. I mean, only a kid would refuse to do I it, know. you know, but... Samuel would, my kid, would refuse. No, no. Do you have any... Uh, we have a, a little under two minutes, Stephanie. Any funny story uh, that you can think back on in regards to sacramental prep over the years? Or maybe your own kids in there? <laughs> You had to no. teach your own kids. No, not related to sacramental prep. <laughs> um, no, I don't really have any funny stories. No. I but don't know, because we kind of, I'm sure there's been something that's kind of, I and can't you, think you'd, of anything but to, to go back to something that we said earlier, it's like we talked a little bit about, like this year, we have this family coming in, getting their kids baptized. But have you seen other families become Catholic because their kids got so into it? Um, occasionally we'll have families that, Usually, uh, yeah, so there's been a handful, or like you were mentioned, like I can think of another one where they um, maybe were raised Catholic and then for whatever reason maybe didn't get confirmed. And then as their children go through and they start learning about the sacraments, they cause them back. Um, and then they, they go through the RCIA process. And right. Yeah, and a child will, will lead them. You know, I mean, there have been so many times in my experiences where it's not just second grade, but schools as a whole where. The kid really gets engrossed in it, you know, in the Catholic school, and, and the child brings the family back. So that's one I of the great... we could do that in confirmation, like get the kids to be yeah, so excited, a, like the a, second graders. That's another matter. <laughs> but, uh, but anyhow, uh, thank you very much, Stephanie. It's been good having you. Uh, you do great work and very important work. Never underestimate the significance of your role of sacramental prep for these young kids. So thank you for doing oh, that. Thank you. And, thank you. Uh, and um, again, thank you for listening, and we will be back after this short break. With our next guest, who is Monica, Monica Hendrickson, who is going to be talking about a major event that's going to be happening in Duluth this coming summer. That will be right back here after this brief break. Stick with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 